This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brown. How are you? I'm good. That was a, an excited Brown. <laughs> I'm so excited to see you. Yay! <laughs> it's only been about a week. Yeah. And here we are. We're back. We are. Back in this recording seat. Yes. Our favorite place to be all the time. <laughs> so what updates do you have for me today? I have been delivered the book, Radical Candor, How to Be a Kick-Ass Boss Without Losing Your Humanity. Nice. Which um, Kim Scott wrote this. We've referenced her in past episodes. Can't remember when. Oh, I think it was the feedback one. Right. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that educational read yeah and you are a manager so that works for you and radical candor is the way to be (laughs) candor Candor. (laughs) why can't it be er it should be er (laughs) oh man yeah so it'll um i've heard i've seen presentations on it and obviously listened to their podcast so it'll be cool to actually read the book and yeah we're gonna do it for you know fun sesh flag some pages, share some tips. I'm excited. I'll have it for you. Thanks. What about you? So I am officially back in school. So I am like, yay. I'm so excited. (laughs) Education. Just don't mind the giant bags under my eyes. Um, So I want to kind of recalibrate the way I do my time management and looking into new apps for to-do lists and other ways to just stay on track in general. Um, I think I do better with more on my plate, but I also need to like really tread lightly on it and figure out, okay, this is just enough. And I've done this before. Now, how do I get like back into the swing of things? And I've been using this Todoist app Mm -hmm. and I am, I am just terrible at technology when I'm so used to writing things down. So I get emails every day now that say like, you haven't done this from my Todoist app. And I get really upset because my (laughs) to-do list that I write out doesn't yell at me. (laughs) So I either need to get comfortable with technology reminding me of my failures, or I need to revert back to the list that I write. But either way, I'm just looking at how to to find a new way that works just as well, but also like kind of pushes me forward a little bit. One I will recommend that might be something you're into that links because you use Gmail. I sure do. Calendar, yeah. right? Yep, for everything. Sunsama. Sunsama. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, does it yell at you? Like, does it? I think there are different settings that you okay. can put things in. Okay. To like have reminders on things that you want reminders on all right so i will send you that link and also include that in the show notes because i have not fully embraced it yet but Mm -hmm. i've dabbled just because i love i live by my calendar so it might be a good if you're not loving todoist yelling at you yeah this might be another option that's a good idea all right well then i'll try that because i need to do something because it all lives in my brain, which probably contributes to the stress I feel, which is unnecessary. Because if everything is in a place, then I feel good. Like, if it's all out there and I can see when I'm working on stuff and I'm fine, it's when that piles up in my brain and I'm trying to, like, put everything in a place 
in my head is when I start to get stressed and it's just unnecessary um, kind of added pressure. So yeah. I will have to look at Sunsama. We'll see if that just works. Sounds for very calming as yeah. well. So I'm excited. It's nice. Um, what's inspiring you this week, Brom? So I've got another newsletter recommendation. <laughs> That's my favorite. I feel like ever since we started this podcast, newsletters are my favorite thing to subscribe to. <laughs> we should add a segment just about newsletters. I love <laughs> getting inspired. Yes. So I signed up for one um, following another, like someone shared it with me, uh, called the Article Group. Um, there, It's a actual agency that puts together these types of newslettery type things and nice. it's amazing and I love the inspiration that they include in there and so first of all I think it's great content marketing and a great way to lure in some new future customers so they're Jeez, doing um. doing smart work <laughs> um, but they break it up by theme and each of them is labeled as something like department of business department of books department of goods and so on so it's like really good format and it's not just like a businessy right. like let me link to articles that are valuable to you it's also like i have since bookmarked this beautiful pair of japanese cotton slippers hmm. that i might ask for for christmas because that's how i roll <laughs> <laughs> that's me in my comfort zone and nobody's <laughs> taking that away from me <laughs> and so um i think if you're anyone who is in a creative role or in marketing this is a awesome article to ERP newsletter to sign up for. Is it daily, weekly? Once a week on Sunday evenings. Ooh, ooh, bold move with the Sunday evening. Yeah. Because I usually avoid my email for most of the weekend. You should. So, oh, so do you see it first thing Monday morning? Um, I always am checking my email. Oh. So, because I'm one of those people. You marketing creatives. May, may not answer you, but I know it's there. But I'm reading it. Um, no, so there have been times that I'll read it on Monday mornings, but last week we were on vacation. Yes. So um, I was scrolling wrong. through it. Nice. When we were hanging. That's actually, I always like to know, like, when people, if you're a weekly newsletter, why people choose the days that they choose, which is obviously a whole other thing that I'll never fully understand, and I don't care enough to look into it, but I think it's always an interesting choice when people pick it, so. Yeah. I will have to look into that. Gotta have something to mix it up. I have enough newsletters that come through on Fridays, so... Sunday's great. Gotta switch it up. Now, is there a referral link that you'd like to share, or is there's this- <laughs> there's not a referral link? This is just you know a regular newsletter sign up, right. but it will also be in the show notes, so you guys can and just scroll down to the bottom of It'll the page. Right there. There's no direct link. Sorry. Awesome. That's okay. That's okay. I think that the referral link gets me a little crazed, you know, because I love it. But I think it's nice to have ones that don't have a referral link. Yeah. So there you go. Sid, what about you? So this week I started reading a new book for a book club that I just joined, which I'm usually not a book club person. I know. <laughs> like a, an audible gasp from Ron. Because <laughs> I'm really not. But this one felt different. It came like from a friend that I trust and won't. And it's not like a waste your time kind of like, let's just better ourselves. It's like we've got an agenda or like we've already got off and rolling. And it just sounded really great. And I appreciate the outreach about it. So the first book that we're reading is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, but it is the full word. <laughs> so um, and it really and it is there's a lot of F's throughout the book. <laughs> so 
So uh, if you're not into that word, then maybe not for you. But uh, I am absolutely loving it. I think I've already started folding pages down. I just like the way that it approaches the choices that you make and where you choose to put your energy and how your life and everything you do is your responsibility, whether it's your fault or if like the blame is on you or whatever it is. It's your responsibility to deal with how you kind of take things on from that point forward. Um, it sounds like a book I need to read. It's really good. I just, I had it for our vacation. I also had it for a trip that I took for work and had it on the plane and I just couldn't get enough of it. I just think it's really smartly written. It's by Mark Manson um, and it's just really uh, fantastic. So if you're looking for like a no BS, like straightforward, if you want to figure your own life out, kind of a book and take responsibility for your actions and face some hard truths like this is that book and i am loving it so i'm glad that they picked it for the first read it really got me jazzed that's the kind of book club i want to join yeah it's the better yourself no matter what kind of a thing i'm pretty sure i was invited to that book club but i can't do book clubs it's not your thing i'll just loan you the book yeah after after i'm done and then you can just take it on and not have to do the book club part of it and then i'll comment back to people be like hey months later (laughs) i was into it i know i'm about six books behind at this point but this book was great (laughs) okay brian give it to me straight what are we talking about today well (laughs) we've got beer on our minds because it's national beer lovers day yay so excited um so today we're going to talk about some background about beer the craft beer movement a little bit and what to look for when you're like getting into the endless like abyss of craft beer world yeah because i think in a lot of ways it's pretty overwhelming so we wanted to look at it from the perspective of If you're a non-beer drinker or just accustomed to drinking, like, the one light beer that you have, you know, available to you and the commercials you watch, whatever. We said we weren't going to trash certain beers on this episode today, and we will not. But if you take on that definition, I'm sure you know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. The ones you drank in college. Yeah. So we want to take you to the next level, advance your palate. Mm-hmm. We're going to encourage you to stretch your palate today. Ooh. Um, but it's exciting because the craft beverage industry is a booming. Yeah. And so what's really cool to like do a little background on this is homebrewers are actually were the ones that helped to launch the craft beer scene. Awesome. Um, and so that happened around the late 70s, early 80s. And I think at that point, there was like strictly the mega mega mm-hmm. beer brewers and they were all brewing the same kind of like light watery gross beer yeah. that didn't really have a lot of flavor um and so home brewers were like we're gonna bring the flavor back and start to experiment and they were um kind of the ones who started using the tr- like European traditions and brewing methods from the old world. Yes. And that's like where we kind of got our start and then bringing it back and bringing all the different varieties of beer. So we're going to kind of touch on some of those things just so you get, you have a bit more knowledge when you're walking into the bar or at the grocery store or liquor store when you're picking up your bevs for the weekend absolutely and one fun fact um according to the brewers association the number of craft brewers has gone from eight 
1988. Eight. Can you imagine being one of the eight that in 1980? Cool. I want to meet those people. Like, I, who are you? I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's uh, uh, Sam Adams. Okay. That was one of them. Sure. So, <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting now. It's kind of like the coffee movement, how there are more like third wave and specialty coffee places popping up. Um, and so the big, big mega coffee places are trying to become less mega in like where they are and yeah. like where they operate. They're like, no, we're like your kitschy corner store coffee place. And we're like, we know you're not. And so I feel like the same thing is happening with the the beer industry is that these mega places are like, oh, look, we're like adding a little flavor and like doing a little like dance like, on our, our marketing scheme. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, we're not idiots. We see you. And there's over 6,000 other places to get your actual craft beer from places that are, like, putting their whole heart and soul into Isn't the operation. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's eight insane. Eight to 6,000. That's wild. If you're one of the eight, let us know. <laughs> we want to meet you. The um, original eight. Are they all still around? There we'll, has we'll to be. We'll figure that out. Yeah, there has to be, like, a list somewhere, I imagine. Um oh, for sure. So if you follow us on social media, you know we're usually wine people. Um, and if you don't, get on there, because we are. And we really enjoy our wine. But I think more than that, we really like enjoying something that someone's made and mm-hmm. put like their own spin of effort into. So even though we're not the experts on beer, we do enjoy beer and we do enjoy flavorful beer. And so... Um, we are really excited to kind of talk through some of the people that we spoke with slash heard from when it comes to beer and all the ins and outs, especially my girl, Carolyn Stiles, Rochester Beer Gals. We're going to be uh, talking, well, not talking with her. We'll be hearing from her expertise. Yes. <laughs> through our voices. Through our voices. She was very kind and was very helpful um, as we kind of prepared for this episode. So I'm excited. There's a lot to learn today. Let's speak it, Queens. Let's get into it. Woo. Uh, So if you're at the beginning point, where do you begin? Like, if you don't know anything, how how do you start? I think in my world, how I got into it really was attending tasting events. Mm -hmm. And, like, a beer festival is a great way to start. So relying on your beer community in your area is an awesome way to just get started. Um, So how do you figure out who those people are? I think the biggest thing is looking to your local newspaper and seeing who the beverage writers are. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously local bloggers. In Carolyn's case, she's a local blogger in our area and hosts um, events from time to time. So those are awesome people who just have a host of resources. Um, so yeah, Rochester Beer Gals is one, and they actually did a collaboration with another local blogger, Sriracha Says, and they have a whole insider's guide to the craft beer scene. So if, I know we have some Rochester, New York listeners, if you guys are looking to dabble in our area, we'll link that insider's guide. Um, but I think additionally, going to uh, the events tab at local breweries or restaurants, they host beer, t- paste, uh, beer tastings and pairing events all the time yeah and those are so much fun and that's really where i learned a lot of the different flavor profiles and figuring out the things that i liked and the things that i was into yeah 
I think that's what's kind of fun is that if you're a little um, apprehensive about jumping into this because you're like, I want to try, but I'm not sure. I think those festivals are actually really accessible. So even if you think they're just for like crazy, huge beer lovers, you can also be one of those crazy, huge beer lovers, even if you don't like know all of the ins and outs of everything. Um, But it is a good way to get started because usually it's like you get your little taster and you just kind of go around and they're there to help talk about what they've brought and what you're going to get out of it. And it's not like a snobby event. It is very much like a, just a very much a learning event. Um, and so I think checking those out is is always a fun, it's a fun way to learn more, but also a way that you can actually take on some of the education that you're getting too. And since it's a tasting, if you don't like something, you can chuck it. Chuck it. <laughs> or just sip the little sample that you got right or and then you know like okay i didn't like this and then when you go to the next brewery you're like okay this is what i just had and i wasn't a huge fan like what else do you have like what else can i try Mm -hmm. um and there are also probably beer stores in your area too and i used to think that like small shops really had the best knowledge base but i have been debunked by my friend Carolyn, and she was saying that, you know, it doesn't really matter what the size of the store is. It just matters who's in the store and who's giving you the information. So stores are also not just trying to sell you. They are actually trying to educate as well. They also will host pairings or just kind of like the educational background of what you're getting from your beer. Um, So it doesn't really matter if it's big or small. It just matters who's recommending it, um, who's working there. Is it a bunch of reps from the same place because that might be like a tip that you want to ask the actual person that works in the store not just someone who's visiting the store um but lean on those people because i think that they obviously are trying to get more people into this community um and not just have you drink your like light crap beer (laughs) (laughs) i think also like sitting at the bar at you know a local spot that caters to a specific type of beer or just a craft beer lover and if they have a good lineup sitting there and talking with the bartender because they're usually helping to source some of that stuff for the manager if they're working behind the bar that is an awesome way just on a slow night like go on a tuesday and sit at the bar and just have some time to chat because i think that that's another great way especially if the owner or the bar manager is standing there and can be like here's why we picked these things to be on the like 13 tap list that we have here for you. Absolutely. And like, I think every day I learned about a position or a job that I didn't think was actually real because it just sounds super cool and super fun. And director of beer is a job. And so there's someone that's there do being the expert on why they've brought in what they brought in, how it pairs with the food that they have, like all of those little things that feel like an afterthought. They're like, oh, this is just an up, this is just a bar. Like, what do they really know? It's like, well, they really know a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not just trying to get you hammered. Um, they really want you to enjoy what you're having. And I think there's also this interesting, like organic moment that can happen too. If you start that process of like sitting at the bar, asking the bartenders, you might be surrounded by the other regulars. And in like some people's case, they form actual relationships with those people Mm -hmm. and then can kind of carry that into an ongoing moment to continue to share beers or talk about them or learn from each other and it can become like your own new little hobby yeah and I think if you're also in the the mode of not necessarily wanting to talk to people or being more educated before you talk to anyone yep 
beer advocate and craftbeer.com get down and dirty into the details so you can at least give yourself like a a pre-assessment of the situation or just more information about just a specific style or recommendations for brands to try yeah that is a great place to start too yeah and i guess it's also thinking about like i i got this is a question that i have that i should ask carolyn but like learning about why you like what you like or like not even just where to start but like do I like something super bitter and just trying it, but then kind of diving in a little bit deeper almost and saying like, I wonder why I like this this way. Mm-hmm. And what what would change that in my, in my securely here for the long haul? Or are there ways to like foray into other beers that are kind of outside my comfort zone? And just asking all those questions from like an honest place. I will say I have been at bars, <laughs> not even around here, but just kind of anywhere you go where people are maybe just not going to be that friendly about it. And I think, like you might run into those people, but don't let that discourage you from maybe trying somewhere else or asking a friend like, hey, where did you learn about beer? Did you go to a store? Is there a bar that you go to? Because not everybody is going to be like down to educate, Yeah. but it shouldn't turn you off from trying to either educate yourself or going somewhere else that is. Yeah. I kind of think about it like how I go to um, wine bars sometimes. Yeah. Um, they don't have, you know, a usual or something that I'm accustomed to on the list. And I'll just say, like, hey, I'm used to drinking, you know, a Bordeaux. Can you recommend something on your list that is similar? And I think you can do that the same thing with um, with beers and say, like, normally my go-to is a Harpoon IPA. What other IPA can you give me? That's similar-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Or I was, what's an IPA? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was talking to someone the other night, and he was kind of just like, yeah, I think everybody, you know, everybody has their version of a Heineken. Like, what's what's everybody's version of a Heineken? And, you know, like, you never want to be a snob. And I certainly don't know a whole lot about beer. But it was interesting that he kind of, like, cut off at that moment. He was like, this is what I like. I have no interest in learning anything else. And it's, like, almost like picking your battles. Because in my mind, I want to be like, but there are so many other things to try. And there's so much better beer out there. <laughs> like, you have a whole world of beer to open yourself up to. And I think sometimes I need to just internalize that not everybody wants that and that's okay so if you run into those people or maybe if you are those people you probably aren't listening to this episode anymore (laughs) so if you run into those people let them be they will get into it as they feel necessary yeah and for anyone who's like i want to break out of my zone and uh figure out what i want to drink it's time to stretch your palate great segue from (laughs) (laughs) um so again carolyn i think you know, in every episode, we have like kind of our resident expert in, in in some way. And Carolyn really was very helpful here. She has been doing this for a while. She, for Rochester Beer Gals, I think her mission was to really make sure that beer is just as accessible to women as it always felt like it was for men. Yes. And so to make sure there are events available and resources available for women specifically to say like, this is a world for you too. Like you can be a woman and like beer. Um, so getting into it that way. So I really am thankful for her and all her help and we will obviously link to all of her stuff but um so from carolyn she talked about when you're looking to stretch your palate like where you're going and how you get into it she kind of did the breakdown of flavor profiles which i was like that's an interesting way to start but it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. because it really helps you figure out okay what are the flavor profiles and what makes up each profile so you can say if i'm gonna start out then this is probably where i'm gonna start out because i i like that or i gravitate toward that a little bit more often. 
there are usually four uh, flavor profiles when it comes to beer. Hops, malts, yeast, and water. Water isn't playing as big a role because it doesn't, you know, it's, it's water. And I thought it was an interesting one to include, but the reason she included it makes a lot of sense because she's like, unless you're, you're, the water that you're getting isn't, is untreated, then it's not going to play a huge role in it. But if you are in an area where your water isn't treated, like city, town, region, or anything, it will have an impact on... So interesting. Yeah. And so I guess if you're thinking about home brewing, I mean, if you're a big operation in a big city, usually your water is treated. But if you're a home brewer that's just getting started, like knowing what kind of water you've got coming through your pipes is obviously really important for your health, but also important for your beer. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was an interesting one. Um, So, but for hops, this is kind of the most bitter kind of situation. So um, it's going to, um, if you have beers that are super hoppy, they're going to be very bitter. They're going to like bite a little bit more. Seasoned drinkers just seem to gravitate toward a lot of hops, whereas newer craft beer drinkers aren't as much a big fan of the bitterness. It took me a while to get into this. It really is. And I think, you know, from, yeah, from my experience, I was like, ooh, that just sits right on you. Like it comes at you really quickly. Um, And I don't know, even as like you become a more seasoned drinker, I don't know if it's like with other things where you were like, I like spicy, but the more spicy I get, the more spicy I want. Yeah. I think over time your palate just develops more or you just explore different things and you're like, yeah, let's give this a whirl. I think also there's like some that kind of help get you because I think, you know, you're leading into the point of you know, citrus and grapefruit mm-hmm. and the notes that exist in there, some lean heavier than others. Mm-hmm. So it's like bitter complemented with citrus is really enjoyable for me. And that helped me. Like expand I, a bit. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of assistant working at, uh, assistants lurking, working at a restaurant. And that helped me because I was like, trying to sell people beers I had to know what they tasted like so absolutely I do I do find I really enjoy that from especially when you're going to like a local restaurant um definitely a local bar but especially local restaurant if you're taking on local breweries as well into your restaurant like to know what they not just what they taste like but what the notes are and what you're going to get out of it and how heavy it's going to be or how many like how hoppy it's going to be that's a really important thing for as like as a usual customer coming in and saying like I think I might like to try this but like what do you think having your server know what they're talking about is kind of like amps up my experience just that much more yeah and I think if you're also bringing it down into these four flavor profiles well in this case the ones that are important are three. <laughs> and so um, breaking it down into this, that'll give you a better idea, too, of, like, consistency among flavors that you might be into. Of, like, what kind of yeasty beers do you have? <laughs> <laughs> be the person that asks what kind of yeasty beers people have. It's always going to be a fun conversation. Um, so, yeah, let's do that one next. There are two types of yeast. There's an ale yeast and a lager yeast. Ale yeasts are fermented at warmer temperatures, whereas lager lagers are fermented at cooler temperatures. And Carolyn, my resident expert, was saying that some people like start to muddy the waters between ales and lagers. And I was like, oh, I feel like I do that almost all the time. <laughs> so it's really good to know what the differences are, why they're different, how they operate differently. And so the ale produces like a fruity flavor and aroma, whereas the lager doesn't add much flavor. So it's kind of a cleaner, crisper, um, like mouth taste. 
Um, which is good to know because if I'm looking at something that says ale, I usually would just say, oh, that's probably pretty similar to like this other thing. So that's why this was such an interesting episode is that I, I got so much out of this and just was able to take on, um, when I go to the bar next, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm much more prepared to order something I'm actually going to like versus mm-hmm. something I'm guessing at. Um, Hefeweizens are where yeast really shines. There's like a slight banana flavor that comes specifically uh, from the yeast when it ferments the sugars in the beer. So Hefeweizens, if you like a little bit more of like a banana, it's crispier. It's just nice and light. Um, And that's something that, you know, you I wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, What I thought was really interesting is that Belgian beers have specific Belgian yeasts. Oh. Right. So. That makes sense, though. It does make sense. But nothing I would ever think about. (laughs) Well, and I'm sitting here being like, ooh, it's a Belgian beer. That's that's great. (laughs) Period. But. Just to know that Belgian yeasts are usually house-made, so it's not just, like, something they're getting from someone else and infusing into their beer. They're also, it's, I, this might be wrong, and Carolyn will probably listen to this and correct me, but I keep thinking of it as, like, a sourdough starter, (laughs) how everybody makes their own sourdough starter, or you can buy a starter, but if you make your own... It might have a slightly different... It has its own tang. Yeah. So I that's how I think of it. Obviously, everything comes back to bread for me. So, like, that's how I relate everything back. <laughs> so that was really interesting. Um, so that's yeast for us. And then the last one is malts. So this is the most common base grain. Um, it kind of identifies what the color of the beer is going to be, depending how long the malt is roasted for. So if you think of it like coffee... The darker the roast of your coffee, probably like the heavier and darker your beer or your coffee will be. Um, And the longer you do that roast with the malt, the more like chocolatey you'll get and like caramely and like those like comfy, cozy flavors. Um, And the lighter roast will get you like a biscuit bready flavor. So for malts that are for beers that are heavy on malt, you're going to get like that caramel, toasty coffee kind of a a flavor profile from that. And I love all those things. But I also like don't always love a super dark beer, but I always think of it as a meal. Like if I'm going to have that with dinner or something, I'm going to probably get like a lighter dinner because it just feels Mm -hmm. heavy and it feels like it fills me up. That's probably something I should ask Carolyn. (laughs) Is it okay that just that one dark beer is my meal or what? (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. So. So I think keeping all those things in mind, I, the way that I was starting to think about this for um, Team QS out there Mm -hmm. listening is like, what are the things that you can jump off and test your palate a little bit? Um, One of the things that helped me get into beer a little bit more is just like going a step further than what I was accustomed to, which like was definitely lighter beers, pilsners. Um, But pale ale is a great entry point. And I think that they won't necessarily be as bitter as an India pale ale. Right. Um, That's what IPA is, by the way. (laughs) So if you're looking to explore a little bit of that hoppy element in your flavor profile, that's a good territory uh, to start off with. Um, I think one of the beers that like helped me dive into that was one of our family vacations. Um, my mom picked up a Sierra Nevada case of pale ale. Nice. And I was like, all right, I think I can do this. <laughs> I all of a sudden really like beer. Let's do it. <laughs> so that helped. And then when I got home, I was like, you know, now that I'm in my local scene, where is it that I can find some local you know, or different styles. And, um, that's a great way to, to hop into a different 
uh, experience. Yeah, and I will say, if you are the bartender or the owner of a bar and someone comes in and they give you, like, a super well-known style, or not even style, but uh, brand of beer, and they're really looking to be educated, I've definitely been in moments where people are like, oh, that's what you drink? I'm like, I'm actually asking for Don't help. beer shame me. Yeah, so don't shame people like anything. I think we say this every episode. Like, don't shame people for looking for help unless they're a not nice person about it. But, like, just be helpful. Just be a nice person. Yeah. That's part of the reason you're there. It's so true. Um, so another one I think, uh, especially thinking about at, at this point, at the end of summer, just like keep the vibes going through fall. Yes. Saisons are great because they're super refreshing mm-hmm. and um, have kind of kind of a little effervescence, which is fun. Ooh, a little bubble. So, and those I've had, there's a varying degree of flavors that um, I've had with local tastings. So... Another one that could be kind of a good entry point because it has that, you know, super carbonated and like refreshing flavor that you'll be able to kind of explore what flavors and what styles or what kind of, you know, brewery brews the best one that you enjoy. So definitely something to to kick off with. Yeah. Um, I also really loved Serious Eats breakdown they had a beer bucket list oh we love a bucket list (laughs) yeah and so their breakdown was by um different styles by region so american belgian british and german which i think is really cool because that is cool a little bit more of a narrowed focus from like what we were talking about with the yeast because a lot of those use different styles so if you're thinking about region too that's an awesome thing to consider. And one of the styles that they had listed, which you mentioned before, is a Hefeweizen. Mm -hmm. And that was one that I was like, hmm, I need to explore you more. I've always been resistant to the banana flavor, but Ah. I haven't had one in a while. So So I'm feeling like maybe maybe my palate has advanced at this point. So let's give it a whirl. I think that's the thing we always forget, too, is that, like, that can happen, is that, like, sticking to what you know is great but if you feel like you're like oh i'm getting a little cozy with this one maybe i'll like step outside a little bit and like seeking help on that is really fun and like expands everything for you but i have a tendency to do that where i'm like i really like this type of something so i'm just gonna hang out with that and i think there's also like this confidence that comes with that it's like when i first started ordering drinks when i turned 21 was the first time i was ordering Mm. drinks Sex on the beach. First Exa- drink order. Exactly. That is exactly what my first drink order was. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, you do that for a while, and you're like, then you start to feel kind of silly continuing to you're order like, sex oh, on the beach. This is weird. Or like right. cranberry vodka. Yes. Yes. But like, it takes a minute because you're like, am I going to say it right? Am I going to say the right thing? What if they ask what kind of something I like? I have no idea. And then you instantly feel like a fool. So it like is uncomfortable because when you get confident with your order, you're like, I'm, I've got this. Like everybody, watch me work. But then when you change it up, you're like a little bit more. I don't know, like, let me try this. But trying to, like, stretch yourself a little bit or have, like, your beer friend order it for you or something like that. Like, say to your friend, hey, can you order this? Because I really don't know what I'm talking about and it would be helpful for me. So I'm excited to uh, have you try that Hefeweizen. Yeah, we'll see how it how it turns out. It's going to be yummy. I will say I'm interested to look at this bucket list breakdown because the British beers that I have had, I have, like, really not enjoyed. Oh. So I usually 
I've always had them warm and they're like not a great, they give me like a not fun aftertaste. Like if I had drank too much and then had drank that on top of having too much. Like it's not great for me, (laughs) but that might be unfair. So again, stretch myself a little bit. I want to look at this list and see like what is under that region and see what I can try and what I might like. Yeah, because they gave a couple brand recommendations too within that that list that they have. That's perfect. Um, So one of the places that I know a bunch of people uh, kind of use as far as how to check things off their list and try new things and become part of a community, there's an app called Untapped, and you would think that there's an E at the end of Untapped, and there's not. It's just a D on the end of that. Un-T-A-U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Right. (laughs) And we'll share that so you know. (laughs) (laughs) But that kind of is the uh, Facebook of the beer world. There is um, a sharing component. You can see what people are drinking. You can see where they're drinking them. There's this part of it where you can physically see, like, what bars people are going to as well. Yeah, and you can, like, earn badges and all that fun stuff. So that's a good way if you are, like, kind of solo on this mission and looking to um, learn a little bit more and figure out what you like. Untapped is a good app to to (laughs) tap into. (laughs) Didn't even do that on purpose, guys. Um, and also there's usually, uh, like an underground beer group that you can find. It's really interesting. Like if you really hunt for it, I think you can find an underground group for pretty much any, anything, any hobby, any like weird thing you might be into. There's probably a Facebook group about it. And so again, if you're kind of writing solo on this mission, going on Facebook and just starting to type in like Rochester beer or Rochester beer groups or something like that. And just kind of find um, those underground or whatever groups. city you live in. Oh yeah. Wherever you are. <laughs> um, and kind of help you find your way. And even if you don't then like go and join up with those people, it might be a good way to see like in your area where people are going for their beer and why and all of that kind of stuff. So don't discount like the existing mm-hmm. um, social media stuff. Uh, there's probably a lot to be found there. So yeah, I think that's a good place to go too. I love it. Nice. Okay, so we wanted to, now that we've given you something to to work Chew with. On. Exactly. Sip on. Um, <laughs> we bad. wanted to give you guys some ideas to celebrate National Beer Lovers Day. Yeah. Because we're one for uh, really pushing national holidays and leading into the celebrations. Every Tuesday, I'm like, should I have tacos? Yes. I always think about and it. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so on uh the 7th, September 7th, we're going to be cheersing some beers. We sure will. And here's how we're doing it. <laughs> we're going to support our local breweries. Yeah, we are. Um, I think a really fun idea is to build your own brewery tour with friends mm-hmm. or your partner. Um, I feel like we in New York have like an insane amount that I've never been to. Mm-hmm. There's over 400 breweries, which fun fact is a new record from 1876. Pause for effect. <laughs> That's so insane. So think about the places you haven't been yet and navigate a little, like, you know, caravan or, like, grab a lift and map out a plan for, you know, the spots that you want to hit. Um, I think at each brewery there's an opportunity for you to try a variety. So go for the flight option instead of a pint and then order a pint after, you know, you are uh, 
<laughs> you've had like you figured your out what you like and there's i always feel like i'm going to offend the bartender because i will inevitably not like one of the beers on the flight but i again you're in learning mode and i think it's only natural to find one that you could just kind of gravitate towards so you're not, i don't think you're offending anybody by just maybe leaving one b sometimes i just oh, drink yeah. them all because i'm just you know trying to get a little turned but um <laughs> if you're in it for the beer lovers day mentality of like trying and finding new things um, and like kind of focusing on what you might like and kind of expanding on that, then it's okay to leave one. Yeah. I personally love a bartender or brewer's recommendation. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask like, what's new? Like, what have you guys recently released? Um, Because I can't pick my fourth beer. I don't know what to choose. Here's the style that I go for. And they can give you a great recommendation and, you know, kind of force you to to try something outside your comfort zone. That is also how I found out that I enjoy a Saison. Ah, twist. Yep. (laughs) Um, And then if you don't live near any breweries, that's a shocker. I don't know how. But (laughs) head to the store and support your favorite brand. Um, and pick up a pack or two of some new things that you haven't tried um, and do kind of like a fun share beer sharing with your friends. Yeah. And usually there are a lot of places that will let you like uh, create your own six pack. So it's not like you have to buy like six of six different beers, like six packs of those. Um, So look for places, do like a quick Google, ask a friend where you can create your own or if they have like a special release. There's a lot of stores that do um, something like that. There's actually a lot of bars that also do that. But Mm -hmm. um, making your own six pack is actually like a really if you're I mean, this expands a lot now that Wegmans has expanded a lot, but Wegmans has a a pretty decent beer section. Um, And if you're, it's more bigger brands for the most part, at least in the one that I go to, it's bigger brands. Um, But they have that as an option to create your own. Um, If you're in a regional beer store that has a lot of um, your area breweries, you have an opportunity to like kind of create it that way too. And those people will uh, know what they're talking about. Great recommendation, Sid. Thanks, Braun. Um, so yeah, that is kind of like, I think doing your homework is really the takeaway here. I hope what we've provided is a good place to start as far as like what you might gravitate toward based on what you like. And what's interesting is again, like I love a coffee, I love a chocolate, but I don't always go toward that style in my beers because mm-hmm. it is, it's a little bit heavier and it like sits in my belly a little bit longer. But thinking about it, like I really love those flavor profiles. So I would like to kind of try to get back into those um, or give them maybe be a more fair shot um yeah like thinking about them as like a casual sipper versus like a if you're drinking a crisp a crisp one (laughs) during the summertime you're like let me down this it's going down pretty fast delish right well and that's the other thing is i think like when i drink wine i am always like okay am i doing this to like have a fair amount of wine or am i really trying to try this new wine Um, And I need to kind of think the same way about beer. Like, this is to try this. This isn't just to, like, suck it down and move on to the next one. Um, And so I think that is my mission now is to find something 
outside my comfort zone that I will just enjoy as a sipper, even if it's just one. Yeah, and I think that's the benefit of the craft beverage industry in general is that they put their own stamp on a lot of things. So one beer that you try at one brewery is not going to taste the same at another brewery. So it's super cool to be able to like pull out some of those flavor differences um, and just get a chance to try something new and talk to people um, in a different way. I feel like I haven't been to a brewery and like sat and hung out in a while. So I feel like this is even good inspiration to just like, let's do, let's hit up a couple new spots that we haven't been to and see where we go. Yeah. We learn. And at least in the Rochester community, what I've seen and experienced is that they, the brewers and, and breweries themselves are working together um, I think it's like anything like this is a community that if one one succeeds, we all succeed kind of a mentality. So it's really exciting to see breweries working together and coming up with these like really crazy flavor profiles using those like main ingredients, but then adding a little bit of something else or a little bit of whatever um, to make it just a little bit different, but kind of leaning on even more expertise from different places. And like, what do you do really well? And what do we do really well? And how can we put that stuff together and make something really cool? Um, So it's fun to watch all of that happen. And I'm sure wherever you're listening from might have some of the same stuff going on if you kind of look for it. So there is a lot of community feel. There's a lot of positive energy around this right now. And uh, Beer Lover's Day is going to be just freaking awesome. Freaking Bob. Yes. So surprise, this is a (laughs) two-parter. So um, this is our first two-part episode. We wanted to give you guys a quick glance at like beer and flavor profiles and what to find and how to find it and all that good stuff. But you know, we can't do an alcohol episode with a, without a food episode. So yeah, that's kind of one of our favorite things. So next week, tune in for our beer and food pairing because surprisingly slash not surprising at all, there is a ton of great food to pair with your beers. I think for me, it was always like, what, what goes well with my wine? But I'm really excited to dive into all the expertise that Carolyn has shared, all the expertise that we found in other places um, about what foods go with what beers and what's going to like really make all of your flavors pop all over the place. So I'm excited. Can't wait. It's going to be great. Ready for it. And definitely uh, send us your picks. Tag us uh, in your beer explorations. Absolutely. We want to see them. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll be cheersing on National Beer Lovers Day to all of you. Team QS. Amazing. Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.